So today is Palm Sunday, of course. So it's el Domingo de Ramos. And I hope you can see uh, behind me here the decorations. Thanks for moving, David. Uh, we have worked hard here. Actually, I haven't worked hard. Others with more gifts than I have have worked very hard to kind of give you that feel of, of today being Palm Sunday, remembering when Jesus came into Jerusalem, heading towards the cross. Estamos recordando cuando Jesús entró en Jerusalén hacia la cruz. But today, uh, in a sense, we have already celebrated Palm Sunday at sunrise in this series in Luke. Two weeks ago, we were really at that point in Luke's gospel. Hace dos semanas estuvimos en ese punto en el Evangelio de Lucas, uh, celebrando o recordando el Domingo de Ramos. So sometimes Palm Sunday is also called Passion and Palm Sunday, which means that we're also focused on the events of the crucifixion themselves. And that's where we're going to be headed today. También estamos enfocándonos en lo que es la crucifixión. And so I want to invite you to get your Bibles ready and to open up, whether it's on your phone or, or a Bible that you have in front of you, uh, to our reading. It's from Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 56. Lucas 23, del 44 al 56 es la lectura de hoy. And as you're getting there, I want to remind you that we're covering more than just that passage. We're looking at all of chapter 23 today. Hoy estamos mirando todo lo que es el capítulo 23. This is the, the next to the last message in this series on the Gospel of Luke. And we're heading towards next Sunday, the, the, the climax of that. Es el penúltimo mensaje de esta serie. So I hope you are there. I trust you are there. And I'm going to read in English first and then in Spanish. Voy a leer primero en inglés, después en español. And this, let's remind ourselves what we have here in this treasure. This is the good news. This is the great news of the Lord Jesus, our Savior. Son las buenas noticias, las maravillosas noticias de nuestro Señor. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Desde el mediodía y hasta la media tarde, toda la tierra quedó sumida en la oscuridad, pues el sol se ocultó y la cortina del santuario del templo se rasgó en dos. Entonces Jesús exclamó con fuerza, Padre, en tus manos encomiendo mi espíritu. Y al decir esto, expiró. El centurión, al ver lo que había sucedido, alabó a Dios y dijo, verdaderamente este hombre era justo. 
Entonces los que se habían reunido para presenciar aquel espectáculo, al ver lo ocurrido se fueron de allí golpeándose el pecho. Pero todos los conocidos de Jesús, incluso las mujeres que lo habían seguido desde Galilea, se quedaron mirando desde lejos. Había un hombre bueno y justo llamado José, miembro del consejo, que no había estado de acuerdo con la decisión ni con la conducta de ellos. Era natural de un pueblo de Judea llamado Arimatea y esperaba el reino de Dios. Este se presentó ante Pilato y le pidió el cuerpo de Jesús. Después de bajarlo, lo envolvió en una sábana de lino y lo puso en un sepulcro cavado en la roca en el que todavía no se había sepultado a nadie. Era el día de preparación para el sábado que estaba a punto de comenzar. Las mujeres que habían acompañado a Jesús desde Galilea siguieron a José para ver el sepulcro y cómo colocaban el cuerpo. Luego volvieron a casa y prepararon especias aromáticas y perfumes. Entonces descansaron el sábado conforme al mandamiento. So I'll be the first to admit something to you, and that is that when it, when it comes to playing cards, I'm not very adept, okay? I'm, I'm not very good at card games. No soy muy bueno para jugar las cartas, okay? Um, yeah, you know, uh, if you teach me a card game, chances are not only am I not going to win, I'm going to forget how to play that game the next time that we have an opportunity to do so. Si me enseñas a jugar cartas, no voy a ganar ni voy a recordar el juego. Uh, I mean, you could say, not only do I not have a poker face, I don't have a poker mind, okay? I just, I just don't get it, all right? No tengo ni la cara ni la mente para, para el poker. And yet, in spite of that, I can say this. Over the years, I have remembered, I can recall, there's some things stuck in my mind about poker. And I don't think it's because I've played a lot of it. I, I don't, uh, and I can't. But I've played enough Yahtzee, and if you played that game, well, it's kind of like poker. Se me ha quedado grabados algunas cosas acerca del poker. For example, I can tell you that having two cards of the same kind, that's better than having uh, uh, no cards like that, okay? Dos cartas del, mis del mismo género es, es lo, lo mejor que nada. And if you have two pair like that, that's better than one pair. Una doble pareja es mejor que una sola pareja de cartas así. And if you have two pair and an ace in your poker, poker hand, that's better than having two pair and any other card. Dos pares o parejas con un as es mejor que cualquier uh, uh, doble pareja con otra carta. So that much I've been able to absorb. I can also remember this, that the, the very best hand in most pay, poker games that you can get is called a royal flush. La mejor mano se llama una escalera real. And that's when you have a 10, a jack, a queen, a king, and an ace, all of the same color in the one hand. Es cuando tienes un 10, paje, reina, rey, y también un as en la, mismo, la misma mano. So that's it. I've just exhausted all my knowledge of cards right in front of you. But the reason I'm doing that is not because I want to play a card game. Okay, definitely not. No quiero jugar cartas. But the reason I'm doing this is because when we look at Luke chapter 23 today, what I see going on is a card game of sorts. It's a card game that's being 
played out in the final round of Jesus' ministry. Vemos aquí como un juego de cartas uh, en la última recta de, del ministerio de Jesús. And this card game really tells the story. In fact, I think you could say that Luke is telling us the story here in terms of four pairs. Four pairs. Hay cuatro parejas aquí. There are four pairs of characters that when we look at them, they really give us light as to what is going on here. Vamos a mirar estas cuatro parejas. The first pair that Luke presents us with is Pilate and Herod. Pilato y Herodes son la primera pareja. Now, you may know Pilate, Pontius Pilate, was the Roman governor of the area around Jerusalem. It was called Judea. Pilato era gobernador de Jerusalén. And in chapter 23, verse 1, we find that there the Jewish ruling council, the Jewish uh, rulers, come with Jesus, and they come with uh, Jesus to Pilate. El consejo judío viene a, a, a Pilato con Jesús. And basically, they have three charges, or there are maybe one charge with three aspects. Uh, you can cut it up any way you want. I'm not a lawyer, but there's three ways that they are accusing Jesus. Hay tres maneras en que acusan a Jesús. First of all, they accuse Jesus of subverting the nation. That is, of stirring up the Jewish people to rebel. And that's something the Romans never wanted to see. Le acusan de agitar el pueblo judeo, judeo en contra de los romanos. Y eso es lo que no querían ver. The second thing they say is that Jesus opposes the payment of taxes to Caesar. Se opone a, a pagar los impuestos a César. And that again was illegal to do, to speak against paying taxes. Eso fue ilegal. And then the third thing that they accuse Jesus of is that he has set himself up as the Messiah. He set himself up as the rightful king of Israel, as the one that should be ruling. Y se ha proclamado, dicen que Jesús se ha proclamado Mesías, el rey verdadero de Israel. And again, that's something that the Romans would be suspicious of. They wouldn't want that. Los romanos estarían sospechosos de esto. So when we look at these accusations, What we find is that they are filled with lies. They're filled with half-truths. Hay mentiras, verdades a medias aquí. Let's look at the first charge, subverting the nation. Well, you know, the ironic thing about that is that it was not Jesus that was stirring up the people. In fact, it was the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders themselves are stirring up the people right in the midst of this and pretty soon they're going to be crying out for Jesus to be crucified. Los líderes religiosos están agitando el pueblo para clamar que Jesús sea crucificado. And what about that charge that Jesus opposes the payment of taxes? Well, we already saw several weeks ago in Luke chapter 20 how Jesus didn't say that at all. In Lucas 20, Jesús no dice nada así en, cuan, en, contra, en contra los impuestos. In Luke 20, Jesus, in fact, said, pay your taxes. He said, pay to Caesar or give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Denle al César lo que es del César, dijo Jesús. And then finally, that third charge. As Pilate sees Jesus standing before him, quiet, humble, not saying a thing, He does not look like a conquering king. He does not look like a king who's ready to revolt against Caesar and take over. Viendo a Jesús ahí humilde, él no se ve como un reconquistador. 
So those are the charges. And Pilate really doesn't believe it. He really knows that these are just trumped up charges because the leaders are jealous of Jesus. Pilato sabe que están celosos de Jesús. But at the same time, he doesn't want any trouble. Él no quiere problemas. And so when he finds out that Jesus is from the north, from the region of Galilee, uh, then he, he has an opportunity to pass the buck. El, el pase a la responsabilidad de otro cuando encuentra que Jesús es de otra parte. He sends Jesus off to Herod, the second person in this pair. Herod is the governor of Galilee, that region where Jesus is from. Le manda Herodes, que es gobernador de Galilea. And conveniently, Herod happens to be in town for the day, so to speak. He's in Jerusalem. Está en Jerusalén. And Herod is excited. He cannot wait to see Jesus. Herodes está animado para ver a Jesús. He's been looking forward to this. He wants to see a miracle. He wants to see something special. He wants to see a magic trick. Él quiere ver que Jesús haga algo milagroso de magia. Uh, you know, maybe he wants Jesus to, you know, uh, pull a demon out of a hat or something like that. He's looking for something really special, for fireworks. Quiere que Jesús saque de la gorra un demonio, algo así. But Jesus just stands there. Jesus does nothing says nothing, does not react, and pretty soon Herod himself gets bored of the whole thing. Jesús no hace nada, Herodes se aburre, and he figures there's nothing to this. This guy's, this guy's an idiot, and he, and he sends him back to Pilate. Le envía a Pilato. On that day, they become friends. They were enemies before, se hacen amigos. Pilate and Herod are a pair. Why? Because neither of them is interested in doing what is right and just. Ni Pilato ni Herodes quiere hacer lo justo. And neither of them is interested in anything else than their own interests. They're only interested in serving themselves. Solo se interesan en servirse a sí mismo. In fact, it's just after three very feeble attempts to get Jesus out of this that Pilate just gives up and he decides it's okay for Jesus to go to the cross. Después de tres esfuerzos débiles, Pilato, eh, pues, consciente de que Jesús vaya a la cruz. And that's where we now come to our second pair. We've got one pair. Now, our second pair starts to, to appear on the scene. And the first person of that second pair is a man named Barabbas. La primera persona es Barabbas. He's been put in jail, we're told, in chapter 23, verse 19. He's been put in prison because of murder. Está en la casa por el homicidio. And he's in jail, it says, for insurrection. También por insurrección. What's that? Well, that's subverting the nation. That's stirring up the people. He was a part of a riot. Fue parte de un agitar al pueblo. Barabbas is guilty of the thing that Jesus has been accused of. Es culpable lo que le acusa a Jesús. And yet, here's the incredible irony of this situation. Aquí la ironía. Barabbas, the guilty one, is easily set free in this situation. El culpable lo libran fácilmente. But Jesus, the completely innocent one, is easily sent to the cross. El inocente Jesús le, le mandan fácilmente a la cruz. And it's on the way to the cross now, that we find the second person in this pair. Encontramos la segunda persona de la pareja. His name is Simon. He's a Jew. He's from the North African region of Cyrene, Simón de Sirene, del norte de África. Like Barabbas, Simon really doesn't have 
anything direct to do with the case of Jesus. He's not involved directly. Como Barabbas no está involucrado directamente en el caso de Jesús. He's minding his own business, so to speak. Está en sus propios asuntos. And yet, he becomes involved. Because the Roman soldiers compel Simon to pick up Jesus' cross and to carry it, to go out of his path and to go with Jesus to the crucifixion. Los romanos le obligan a Simón a llevar la cruz de Jesús. Jesus is too weak to carry the cross, so Simon does it. In this pair, Luke is trying to tell us something, I think. Lucas nos quiere decir algo en esta pareja. He's saying, in a sense, we are Barabbas, and we're also Simon. Somos Barabbas y Simón. We're Barabbas. Why? Because we're the guilty ones. We're the guilty ones who easily deserve death and condemnation. Somos los culpables que merecen la condenación, la muerte. But, but Jesus instead goes to the cross for us. And we are set free. Somos librados by what Jesus has done. But we're also Simon. También somos Simón. Why? Because Jesus has set us free. Because Jesus has taken our guilt upon himself. We, by that incredible act of love, are compelled. We are urged. We are called. We are drawn to follow Jesus. To go out of our own path and to follow in his path. Estamos atraídos, eh, eh, pues, impulsados para seguir a Jesús. In fact, way before in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus explained this. He said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross. And come in my path. Si me vas a seguir, ven a seguirme cargando tu cruz detrás de mí. That's why we're Simon. We too are called to do the same, to, to go out of our way and be connected with Jesus forever. Estamos conectados así con Jesús para siempre. And that is going to bring us to the third pair. The third pair is an easy pair to identify because they're a pair of thieves, a pair of criminals. Es una pareja de, 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 de ladrones. And they're hanging on the cross right there with Jesus as he is crucified. Están con Jesús en la cruz. Now, the first thief in the pair looks at his situation and he's looking for a way out. El primer ladrón quiere una salida. And so he decides to play a card. He decides to play the entitlement card. He decides to play the victim card. El pone la carta de víctima, de privilegiado. And he says to Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Get us out of this fix, for, for, for goodness sake. Uh, si tú eres el Mesías, sácanos de esta selva, uh, situación. Sálvanos. But the second thief, he sees it differently. He has a different perspective. In chapter 23, verse 41, capítulo 23, 41, he says this, here's the deal, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. Es, en nuestro caso, el castigo es justo, pues sufrimos lo que nuestros, merecen nuestros delitos. Este, en cambio, no ha hecho nada malo. He understands that he is getting what he's deserved. And so he doesn't play the victim card. Este no pone la carta de víctima. Instead, he plays the faith card. Pone la, la carta de la fe. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesús, acuérdate de mí cuando vengas en tu reino. What kingdom? Jesus is about to die here. His kingdom is coming to an end. Wouldn't that be the case? Parece que el reino de Jesús está por terminar aquí. 
But somehow, this thief can see that this kingdom is not coming to an end. Somehow, this kingdom is reaching its climax. Somehow, this kingdom is just beginning. De alguna forma puede ver por fe que este reino está por comenzar. And that's why Jesus can say to him, Today, you're going to be with me in my kingdom. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Hoy estarás conmigo en el paraíso, le, le dice Jesús. So in this pair, this third pair, we find a, a big contrast. We have one thief who wants to justify his own escape. He wants to justify himself. Un ladrón quiere justificar su escape. But the second thief knows that he cannot justify himself. He cannot make himself right in this situation because he is not righteous. He, he has no justice in himself. El segundo sabe que no se puede justificar a sí mismo. And so he looks to Jesus to make him right. He looks to Jesus to justify him. And only Jesus can make him right because only Jesus is righteous. Solo Jesús lo puede justificar porque solo Jesús es justo. And that's going to bring us now to the fourth pair. Llegamos a la cuarta pareja. As Jesus hangs upon the cross. There uh, in, in the, uh, the, the description of Luke, it says that around noon, around the sixth hour, darkness came upon the whole land until the ninth hour, till three o'clock in the afternoon. The sun no longer shone. Hay oscuridad hasta el mediodía, después hasta las tres de la tarde. And it says that Jesus cried out, called out in a loud voice. Jesús exclama con fuerza. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Padre, en tus manos encomiendo mi espíritu. We need to note there something important. Jesus did not have his life taken from him. His life was not stolen from him. No le fue robada la vida a Jesús. He gave it up. Dio su vida. He willingly surrendered it. And in fact, those words, Father, I commit into your hands my spirit. Jesus here is quoting a psalm, a well-known psalm of the people of Israel. It's Psalm number 31. Jesus está citando el Salmo 31. And in Psalm 31, verse 4, we're going to read what it says there because it kind of sets up the situation. El Salmo 31, versículo 4, dice así. This is what it says. Psalm 31, 4. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Líbrame de la trampa que me has tendido porque tú eres mi refugio. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. En tus manos encomiendo mi espíritu. Líbrame, Señor, Dios de la verdad. So Jesus does this, and he, he breathes his last. Espira Jesús. And we're, here is where we see the first person in this fourth pair. He's closest to the action. He's at the foot of the cross. He's a Roman soldier. Es un soldado romano, a centurion. And he is a representative of the Roman Empire, un representante del Imperio Romano. And when he sees how Jesus dies in chapter uh, 23, verse 47, he praises God. And he says, surely this man was what? A righteous man. Seguramente este era un hombre justo, dice. A representative of Rome recognizes what the thief of the cross recognizes. That Jesus is the only righteous one. Jesús es el único justo. 
And shortly after that, we come to the second person of the pair. And that's a man named Joseph of Arimathea. Después José de Arimathea. It's interesting to note that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council that had condemned Jesus. Fue parte del consejo judío que condenó a Jesús. But it says here in chapter 23, verse 51, that he did not agree with their decision. No estaba de acuerdo con su decisión. He wasn't in agreement with what they did. Why? Because no doubt he saw something in Jesus too. He saw that Jesus was innocent. He saw that Jesus was righteous. El vio que Jesús era inocente y justo. And so that's why he goes to Pilate. And he goes and he asks for the body of Jesus. Por eso pide Pilato el cuerpo de Jesús. Why? So that he can give Jesus the burial of a righteous man. Le da el entierro de un hombre justo. He puts him in a tomb no one has ever been in. Le pone en un, un sepulcro donde nadie había uh, uh, estado sepultado antes. And here in this pair, we see something powerful. Hay algo poderoso en esto. We see that the Romans crucified Jesus. Los romanos crucificaron a Jesús. And yet we have a representative of Rome that says this man was righteous. Sin embargo, este representante dice este hombre era justo. The Jewish council condemned Jesus to death. El consejo de Dios le condenó a Jesús. But a representative of the Jews says, No, this man was righteous. Este era justo. So there you have it. Four pairs that tell the story. Four pairs that, that help us to understand so much of what's going on here. Hay cuatro parejas que nos ayudan a entender lo que está pasando. And yet there's more. Hay más. As Jesus is laid in the tomb, as the women who watched all of this go to prepare spices and perfumes to put on Jesus' body the day after the Sabbath day, Luke has something else he wants us to know. Cuando las mujeres van a preparar las especies aromáticas, Lucas quiere que sepamos algo más. He wants us to know that God has an ace in his hand. Dios tiene un as en su mano. God's got an ace up his sleeve. God's got an ace in the hole. Literally, in the hole. A hole in the ground. Dios tiene un as en su manga. And that ace that we're talking about, of course, is Jesus. It's Jesus. Es Jesús. There is no one in this story like him. He's paired up with nobody here because he stands alone. He's the Lamb of God, the perfectly righteous Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Él es el cordero único que Dios que quita los pecados del mundo. He is what the prophet Isaiah called the suffering servant who, who gives his life for many to redeem Israel. Es el siervo que sufre según el profeta Isaías. And he is the Messiah. He is the rightful king of Israel. And the crucifixion is not his defeat. The crucifixion is his crowning. La crucifixión es su coronación. And so what we see here is Jesus on the cross is dealt to death face down. Jesús está puesto en la cruz cabeza abajo. But, but here's the thing. He is really God's trump card. He's God's trump card over sin 
and over hell and over Satan and over death. And God has dealt that card on the cross. Dios ha puesto la carta de triunfo sobre el pecado, Satanás, el infierno y la muerte. So you see, the crucifixion to us, as those who believe the crucifixion is the ultimate reminder that when the chips are down, when the deck is stacked against us, God holds the cards. Cuando la baraja está en contra de nosotros, la crucifixión nos recuerda que Dios tiene las cartas. God holds the cards and Jesus is his ace. Jesús es el as. Jesus beats the kings and the queens who want to shut him up. El gana los reyes que quieren callarlo. Jesus beats the jacks and the jokers that want to mock him. El gana los, los jokers que quieren burlarse de él. Jesus wins hands down. In fact, Jesus not only beats these, here's the incredible thing. He forgives them. Él los perdona. On the cross, even as he's being nailed, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Padre, perdónalos, no saben lo que hacen. Who's the them that Jesus is talking about? ¿Quiénes son ellos? It's not only those people around him, but it's, it's you. It's me. Father, forgive them. Nos perdona a nosotros. So, because God holds the cards in the darkest moment of human history. We can have assurance that God holds you and me in his hand as well. He's got this. He's got this in hand. Dios tiene las cartas en el momento más oscuro y nos tiene a nosotros también. Where are you today? Are you feeling like like things are spinning out of control in our world right now, it would certainly seem like that. Las cosas parecen fuera de nuestro control en el mundo. Are you afraid of the storm clouds that are gathering as you hear the news, as you look at what's going on around us? Are you afraid of the storm clouds? Are you wondering right now, is God really going to come through this time? Could this be the one time that, that things don't go well? A lo mejor pregunta si Dios nos va a salvar de esta situación. Whatever your, your situation may be, I want to remind you of that, that simple truth. God holds the cards. In fact, I think what Luke would have us to do through Luke chapter three, uh, 23 is he wants us to pair up. He wants us to get paired. Lucas quiere que nos unamos a alguien. Get paired up with Simon. And take up your cross and follow Jesus. Únete a Simón y sigue en el camino de Jesús. Get paired up with the centurion and praise God in these times and, and confess that Jesus is the righteous one. Únete al centurion y alaba a Dios y, y, y confiesa que Jesús es el justo. This week as we go to Good Friday, get paired up with Joseph of Arimathea and honor Jesus because of his death for you. Únete a José para honrar a Jesús en su muerte. And get paired up with the thief on the cross. Únete al ladrón en la cruz. And make Jesus your king. And he says, today you will be with me. 
not only on this earth, but forever in my kingdom. Únete al ladrón para pedir un lugar en el reino de Jesús. See, we are in a place where the chips are down. And yes, it would seem the deck is stacked against us. But remember this, in the darkest moment on the cross, there's a word that we need to see. The curtain of the temple was split in two. En el momento más oscuro, la cortina del templo se arrascó en Dios. In the darkest moment of all, God opened up the way for us to go in to that holiest place and have peace with him, to have assurance with him. Dios abrió la cortina para que pudiéramos tener paz con él. Let's not forget it. This week or ever, God holds the cards and he holds you and me. And Jesus is his ace. Dios tiene las cartas y a nosotros también. Jesús es el as. And next Sunday, Next Sunday, there's one more card to play. And we're going to talk about that when we get there. Hay una carta más que vamos a mirar el domingo que viene. Would you join me in prayer? Vamos a orar. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you and we do confess that this week, the clouds have not only been in the skies outside uh, in our area, but they've been gathering in our world as half of the world is shut down at home. Vemos, Señor, las nubes amenazadoras en nuestro mundo de hoy. But in the middle of that, we can thank you that you hold us in your hands and you know what you're doing. Lord, we want to pray that in the midst of these uncertain times, we can look to Jesus. Thank you that he is the one that has come for us. Gracias por Jesús. Lord, I want to pray comfort, encouragement, bravery into the lives of every person hearing me. Quiero pedir ánimo y, y valentía para cada persona que me oiga, Señor. And may we give you the honor as we come to Good Friday this week. May we be ready to to celebrate in a way to commemorate your sacrifice as we come to your table may we be ready to receive and understand what a gift we have in you que podamos llegar a tu mesa listos para recibir el gran regalo que tenemos en ti thank you jesus for being without equal without pair gracias que eres sin igual jesus it's in your name we pray in tu nombre oramos and we say together Amen. Oh,